This is Andrew Sahak from Life Was Peachy, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Ryan M. Brewer. Michael fucking Malone. <laughs> What's up, bud? Nothing, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. That's how I say it when I'm done. I go, oh my God, I camed. I camed. <laughs> I, had a buddy, I had a buddy that said, I cumped. No. That's my favorite. I cumped. Until I had cumped. Man, I had cumped all in her. She rode me until I had cumped. <laughs> it was always it, had cumped. It, sounds- it was never I cumped. I had come. Yeah, it sounds like that Southern proper. You know what mm, I mean? Like, right. ma'am, I had cumped. Ma'am, I had already cumped. <laughs> I, I wanted to thank you for making me cumped. Um, uh, for causing me to have cumped. <laughs> uh, so I saw you posted uh, the other day about your um, your your donut search. Oh, bro. And I and it, and we've never we've gotten donuts together. Yeah, but this is but bef- we've never we've never had donut philosophy talks. Well, and this is a new a new phase in my life, the donut phase. Yeah, I didn't bullshit you. We were <laughs> you were always suggesting donuts. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's different. There was that place right down the street from your bungalow. Yeah, when I was living there, there was a donut shop around the corner, and I was smoking weed 23 hours a day. And so that's just yeah. a natural thing of life. It's like, you know, yeah, of course we're going to do that. It's like if my apartment complex had a pool, I'd be like, hey, we're going to go swimming. <laughs> Every day? Yeah, every day. (laughs) I'm a swimming pool guy. I don't know if you remember that or not. I'm a swimming pool guy. I'm not a gardening guy. I'm a swimming pool guy. I'm a swimming pool guy. That's that's how I grew up, homie. I grew up up in them waters. But the uh, the appreciation for donuts has come with my sobriety. uh, Okay, yeah. So the amount of donuts I was eating, that was the weed. And now the... (laughs) And now the appreciation has come with, uh, you know, not smoking so much or not smoking yeah. at all. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, I, I started on a, I used to, I used to date someone who was a travel nurse. So we, we would spend three months in different parts of the country. Right. Just consecutively. So we were in, then we were in outside of LA there for a bit. And then we were in Sacramento and then we were in New York and then we were in South Carolina and it was always about finding the donut place oh, yeah. that had the best donuts because I uh, was born in Alexandria, but I was raised in Newcastle, Indiana, home of the original Jack's Donuts. Uh, and Jack's mm. Donuts were just a staple in every Newcastle kid's life. Well, maybe there's some privilege talk in there. I don't know if everybody got Jack's <laughs> Donuts. <laughs> As often as I did, but it, but you could like walk into the store. Remember, that, sorry, that reminds and me. And they just have them for like forty cents. Like surely even poor kids could find like that were poorer than me could find. Yeah, forty cents and go get a donut. Just, I don't know. That reminded me of the office when uh, Michael Scott tries to heal everybody uh, in the warehouse. Everybody's like arguing, and he orders pizza, and he's like, "Everybody loves pizza." He's like, <laughs> he's like, "White people love pizza. Black people love." He's like, "Wait." Do black people love pizza? <laughs> and then it pans over and Patrice O'Neill's eating pizza and it goes back to Michael Scott and he goes, yeah, black people love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your donut statement reminded me of. Like, yeah. I don't know if everybody at Jack's Does donuts. Does everybody like donuts? I think. <laughs> uh, so, so, Jack, so donuts was always a big deal, right? So right. since then, the like Jack, I guess, I don't fucking know, uh, moved on and quit having Jack's and his nephew or grandson or somebody took over and I actually went to high school with that guy and when he took over he was like bro we got the best donuts in the fucking world why are we not selling these donuts all over the place like why are we just selling them to these 
you know, 12,000 rednecks that we have in this town. And so he proceeded to start to franchise the Jack's Donuts. Now the Jack's Donuts are all over Indiana. And you can get Jack's Donuts at Pacers games now. I love, I love how I thought this is going to be a story of, uh, of, of like global entrepreneurship or something. And you were like, why are we just selling these, these 12,000 rednecks? We could be selling these to 100,000 rednecks. <laughs> we could be selling them to 2 million rednecks. <laughs> all over the state. <laughs> right now. Sir, so we when could you open go, a location in Vegas. No, fuck that. I want no, to go to Victorsville. You got to start somewhere, Malone. You got to start somewhere. So uh, you get like you go to uh, Banker's Live Fieldhouse now to watch a Pacers game, and you can step outside and get a Jack's Donut. Like they're on their they're on their way. Uh, right in indie style, there had Jack's Jack's Donuts coffee in the uh, oh, in wow. the green room there for a while. That's from Newcastle. It's like the only thing other than me were the shit that came out of there. Uh, did, you ever eat, did you ever eat but, a uh, hot but, box so, pizza? Yeah. Isn't that an Indiana franchise? Isn't that a... I don't, I don't know if it's strictly Indiana or not. I, I'm curious about that because it's fucking awesome. And uh, I've always appreciated them and they've always appreciated yeah. me. And uh, we've had a good relationship over the years. <laughs> and... Uh, I, but I haven't seen that anywhere else. Really? I guess maybe it's just Midwest. You know what? It's that time. Isn't it weird how there are some where they're just like, now nah, we've spread out enough. Yeah. This is enough. Yeah, like this Jack's Donut story you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, Jack's, Jack's Donut. I, th- I feel like he does. I, I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. I think he's still on the way up. Yeah. But anyway... The love of Jack's Donuts and how important donuts were in my life as a child led me to, like, every place we went. I was like, we're going to find the best donuts. Right. Um, we ate some really expensive donuts in L.A. and in New York. Because when you're in a city like L.A. or in New yeah. York, there are, there are options, man. Like, you can you can really... You can really moonlight as a rich person with donut options it's when you're in a, a it's city so like LA. Bougie. It's like $14 for a donut. And you're like, all right, I guess that's what donuts cost here. Well, there's a place called Sprinkles here in L.A., um, which mm-hmm. is now advanced to like Vegas and other places. But Sprinkles mm-hmm. was an L.A. donut shop, and they were, you know, 4 or $5 donuts. Uh, and then what they did, they, I think they were the first ones to do this. They had vending machines. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. They, they were uh, they're cupcakes. Sorry, sprinkles is cupcakes. They're not donuts. Oh, sprinkles is cup. That's a totally different. thing. Yeah, that's huh? a totally different thing. That's like a gourmet bougie thing. Cupcakes um, tend to be, but I think donuts are trying to catch up with them. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for that. They're getting more artistic. There's a great yeah. place down in. Um, oh God, what uh, what what little town is that in North Carolina? Oh, my God. I was just telling you about it. It has the Dead Crow Comedy Club there. And I was telling you you would love that little city. Um, oh, was it Asheville? No. Um, oh, my say? God. I'm, I, Raleigh? No. Raleigh, God North Carolina. Damn it. I, oh, Wilmington. Wilmington, North Carolina. Wilmington, North there Carolina. is a little donut shop right there. on It's like this little artsy town. This, I think that's where they filmed... Um, What's that old sitcom with the uh, uh, fu- two guys, a girl, and a pizza place? <laughs> no. The fucking drama series with the heartthrob back in the nineties. You of, just said comedy, you fucker. Uh, no, uh, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Yes, that's no where shit. They Was it really it. Dawson's Creek? Yeah, that's where they filmed Dawson's Creek down there in Wilmington. Can I get credit for a moment that you said? You know that comedy. From Did the nineties, no, that drama, you know, and I got, I got it. Did I say comedy? I don't think the only thing funny about it is that that guy's name is Pacey. I didn't know that at all. As if that's a real name. I think it's I, the only reason I know that's because I think it's Charlie Conway from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Anyways, he grew up to be pacey. Uh, there's a great he also grew up to be in this there. pretty little fires everywhere or whatever the fuck I'm watching right now. Oh, yeah. Did, did you realize that, they, uh, that a show called Little Fires Everywhere and Big Little Lies, both with Reese Witherspoon in the main character position, came out in the same year? <laughs> I did not know that. I also, ha- I have that book. 
uh, little fires everywhere. Pretty little fires everywhere? Yeah. Have you read it? No. <laughs> My... <laughs> Here's what happened. I set that up knowing that your answer was going to be no. <laughs> we just started watching it. The show's good. My girlfriend's sister was moving out and she had a, a bunch of books that she was going to donate. And I saw that title and I was like, oh, this seems familiar. Like, I think I've heard about this. And so I snatched that book up and it just sits on my shelf. She was like, uh, you were like, what are you going to do with all those books? And she was like, I don't know, give them to some poor people. And you were like, hello. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. You don't have to take them anywhere to do that. I have come to take your books. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, there's a little donut shop in Wilmington on the main strip there uh-huh. that sells miniature bougie-ass donuts where they're like, you know, they got the frosted flakes on. Are they donut holes or are they just... No, they're little tiny donut, like miniature donuts. They have the hole out in the they middle. They have the hole in the middle, but they have like, they're like Oreo crumbles on the top. They're like real bougie. And uh-huh. they're like $4 a piece yeah, or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. But it's some of the best fucking donuts right. you'll ever have. You're, you're, you're looking at it and they go, that'll be thirteen fifty, And you're like, for this one donut? And you're like, yeah. And you're like... <laughs> yeah. Fuck me, I guess. I mean, I'm buying this donut. One where I came in here to buy a donut. I'm not walking away because it cost $12. Um, there's a dude that used to do a bunch of like, he used to like in the pop punk scene back in the day, like uh, like Blink-182 and, and Alkaline Trio and all those, all those bands. Uh, yeah. He was like, a, was like a producer or worked at a label or some shit. And then he went to L.A. and started this donut place that's, that's like that, but they're normal sized donuts and they just yeah. got you know, candy on them and they're injected with bacon fat and all sorts of shit. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, it's $20 for let, two. Let me I'm ask so, okay. you this. What is Sold. your, what's your favorite uh, type of, do- what's your, what's your go-to donut? This is what I was going to say. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this is what it was all about. Yeah. So I started eating donuts at a lot of different places. I come to find out that people have very specific rules about like their donuts like they'll eat certain types of donuts. It's like pizza, right? right. Like uh, people in New York are like, no, they're not. But this is the thing. East Coast people, let's say, are like uh, Chicago deep dish. <laughs> Fuck you. That's not real pizza. That's just a lasagna with a crust. Like that's not. It's too. It's deep dish. It's not real pizza. And then people that are like deep dish fans are like, oh, that thin and crispy shit. Fuck you. That's a cracker with toppings. That's not fucking pizza. People get shitty about their pizza. Same with their barbecue. I found out there's the same thing goes on about donuts. Like there are some people that it has to be the round thing with the hole out of the middle. It has to have the like shiny uh, icing on the top. That's a donut. Or it has to be glazed like a Krispy Kreme. That's a donut. Anything else is some other fucking like a Danish or whatever. (laughs) So, So Jack's Donuts are these big, thick cake donuts like they're they're baked they get real plump they plump up real tall and their big thing is the cinnamon like it's a cinnamon twist yeah it's like a it's like a cinnamon roll they twisted the thing up but they put the the ice the caramel icing on top and it's just incredible but the thing about jack's is that same cinnamon twist thing is also the chocolate iced and also the white iced and also like it's that same cakey right base with your different toppings and then sometimes they'll sprinkle peanuts and sometimes they'll sprinkle oreos and sometimes they'll sprinkle. so some people are like that's not a donut that's like a cake that doesn't even count as a donut so jacks are my favorite donuts but if i'm gonna go like genre of donut <laughs> i enjoy a uh a jelly filled oh man but with you know how some of them have powder yeah. Powdered on the outside. I like the ones that have like the granulated fine sugar on the outside. You know what I'm saying? They're almost like sparkly. Jelly That's like a sparkly. Is such a risky move. It is, but when it's done well. When it's done well, it's fucking incredible. Uh, but it's also it's messy and it's risky and sometimes there's there's two parts to the risk. One sometimes part, a shitty pie filling. 
and you're just like, ah. yeah, yeah. One one part of the risk is obviously it tastes fucking nasty, right? You're like, this is too bright red. Yeah. What, what did you do to this? <laughs> why? Why is this glowing like kryptonite? Is this what the toothpaste fuck? with food coloring? <laughs> what what is this? What? Why is this so bright? <laughs> did you come in my donut and then put food coloring in it? Did a Care Bear cumped in my <laughs> jelly donut? My what favorite is... kind of donut, Care Bear cumped. <laughs> Care Bear. I like. Don't even talk to me about a donut unless a Care Bear had cumped in it. <laughs> sprinkles or no sprinkles. <laughs> The other part is that uh, the other risky part is how much is in there. Sometimes mm. you get a jelly filled donut, you're excited, and then you yeah. bite, and you're halfway through, you're like, is there jelly here? This is just a cake donut. There's it's just like a shit. drop yeah, of right. jelly in the middle, like those little individual butters that restaurants give you, and you're like, this yeah. is all the jelly I fucking, fuck you, this donut was $6. I want a jar of jelly in this thing. And other times, it's too much jelly. You bite into it, and now it's now you're wearing it. This is all over. Yeah. The, the donut the just- purport, it's, it's quality and proportion. Yeah, it just gives it's quality and jelly. quantity. <laughs> There's a there's a lot that goes into a good jelly donut. Yeah. And if you find a place that does them right, oh, hold it hold it close to your heart. For and never sure, let it go. for sure. Never that, let it go. That little place that I used to go to with you, there on the corner out here. Yeah. Uh, that place had a great jelly donut. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my go fucking too. Uh, yeah. But it's hard. Ha- it's hard. Yeah. Um, I, here's mine. Here's, and this is, you my, gotta, you gotta, it's like, it's like anal man. Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta work your way into a donut shop. The first time, <laughs> let, let me ask you this. First time you go to a donut shop, what's your, what's your first base at a donut place? What's your, oh. what's your getting to first base with a donut place where you go, okay, they got one of these that are good. Yeah. I'm willing to try to, I'm willing to try to round it and go to second. Yeah. You got a finger a glazed and then you can. You know, you start with a glazed. Do you start with no, a glazed? No, I don't. I'm just making a joke. What do you start with? <laughs> I, okay, here's my go-to, and I think it's a solid choice, no matter. Always, always. This, this is, is your first time walking into a new donut shop. This is my first you're, time there. You're smelling the smells. Yes. You're looking around on the floor to make sure it's mopped, that it's a clean environment. I'm, I'm looking for maple, and you're ordering a maple. Long John, if they have it. Long John, if they have it. Now, a maple Long John, I feel like, is a standard issue. You can't really fuck it up. Sometimes the maple's a little yeah. off. But even when the maple's a little off, it's just too rich. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little too sweet. Right. But mm. uh, that's the only way you can really fuck that up. Now, if they have a maple bacon, bro, it's lights out. That's you, You've got me. I'm hooked. Uh, you're the maple, maple bacon guy. Yeah. I think that's a solid mm. choice. It's a good indicator on what the other donuts, the level of other donut quality is going to be. Because if you're fucking up a maple donut, bro, you're not going to make a jelly filled. You're not going to do you, a good, Would you order uh, a maple bacon on your first run? I would. Uh, I wouldn't. What would you, what would you do, an old-fashioned? I, I might do... I might do a yeast donut, and then I'll do <laughs> I'll do what is a just yeast a yeast donut. donut. Yeast do- what? Just a plate with no glaze, no nothing? No, it's like a glazed... <laughs> Like the glazed, like where it's dipped. Like a, imagine like a Krispy Kreme. Right, okay. Like a round donut that's with just the a gla- glazed that's, donut. That's just a glazed donut. That, that is my indicator. If no. that is good, if it's exceptional, then I'm willing to move to second base. Here's why you don't go maple bacon right out of the, right out of the <laughs> gates. Okay. Dude, that involves a whole different discipline. That involves frying fucking bacon, man. Well, a lot of times, a lot just because you're good at making donuts doesn't mean you're good at frying bacon. Man. A lot that's, of times, that's two different bacon's worlds. Not available. Bacon is a luxury. Yeah, you don't go for bacon right off the. You want to make sure these people aren't idiots first before <laughs> you throw yourself into some bacon. Are you kidding me? They could just be pulling bacon bits out of a sack and sprinkling them. That's no good. You got to You got to trust these people before you go with some bacon. <laughs> so you're saying that bacon is like. Is like taking the condom off. Ba- yes, bacon is like raw dog. Bas- bacon is like, <laughs> like it's at least a sliding in for a triple. So you're finger least. banging the glaze first. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We're meeting. We just met. We're having a, a nice a, it's time. A bit of a, I'll every- admit it's a bit of a bunt. 
It's a bit of a bunt. Yeah. I'm just trying to get on base. Yeah. Just trying to get on base. The place looks clean. Here's the thing. I'm pretty, I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty quick. I'll throw a donut down pretty quick. If I got to go back in and go, okay, you passed the test. I'm, I'm going to stretch this thing to a double by stealing some bases. I will. <laughs> but I got to try to get on base first. Now, if I'm used to this place and I've been here a few times and they've just like, they've knocked it out of the ballpark, I'm swinging for the fences, bro. I'll really? try a maple bacon at that point, but... I gotta, I gotta test this place out first. So you'll roll dog on like the third, the third date, third, 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 fourth date, something like that. Okay, maybe I'm too I trusting. Wonder, see, I look at the other customers you if they're you, clean. You're gonna, you're gonna get hurt that way. I'm trying to see what they're ordering, what they, how they treat the place. You know, dude, I don't want the other customers to be clean. I, man, I want this guy <laughs> to look like he is spending his last dime on this donut. He's like, it's just so good. I can't, I can't, I'm, I have, I have no choice. Somebody comes in ultimately frazzled and they're like, I have a shitty day at work. I just, I need a, I need a fucking giant jelly donut. I'm like, this is the place. This, this is, is the, the place. place. This is the crack place. This is where people go to just let it go. I'm not even telling my family I'm eating this before I go home. <laughs> I'm not even telling my family. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, I want that guy to be in line next to me. And then I'm like, this is a donut place. Cheating on his wife behind his back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting a maple bacon in his car, licking his fingers. That's the fucking place I eat. Then you got to know. Then you know that those are the shit. Those donuts, those are good donuts. Because that guy is willing to put his marriage in jeopardy for those donuts. I went to Voodoo Donuts in Portland when I was there. Uh, Portland, a city that uh, looks Wait like a minute. there's just riots happening all the time. <laughs> I think I think Voodoo is the place in L.A. I was talking about. Oh, I think probably. It's, it's, it's expanded it's, now. So it started in L.A., I think. No, it started in Portland. It's always been as a Portland staple. You had to like actually go to fucking Portland to get Voodoo Donuts, right? Did it? Okay. It just opened up to Vegas and L.A. just recently in like the last two years, maybe three years. Okay. I don't know what time is. Um, so <laughs> in the before times, in the before at times, some point, you know, it was at some point in the before times. So I'm in Portland, just a fucking dumpster fire of a fucking city. And uh, I go to I go to Voodoo Donuts is right by the club I'm playing that weekend. So I go there after, one night after my shows. And it's like, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, this is Sunday night, so I only had one show. So this is like 10 p.m., 10.30 at night. I'm in line at Voodoo Donuts, line out the fucking door, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I get through my line. I, I get the donuts. As I'm leaving, there's a homeless guy with his pants down. And this is in front of the store. Just, like, imagine, like, just uh-huh. walking there was a man with his pants all the way to his ankles, like he's okay. at a like he's ten years old, not a fucking urinal. Okay, all right. Pants dropped, and he's shooting a needle into his ass. Oh shit! And there's a guy across the street, and in, in Portland, the streets are very narrow. They're like you know, uh-huh. the, the, everything's on top yeah. of each other. The city, it's a such a fuck city. And uh, there's a guy across, this, another homeless guy, and he's he also has his pants down, and he's just fucking masturbating in the street. Oh, man. How do you find out that that's your particular kind of kink? How do, how do you discover that? You're like, you know what I'm really into? What? I'm into voyeurism, but, like, shots, though. Like, if I could peek... <laughs> If I see a homeless guy taking a shot to the ass, I got to come. Uh, oh, my God. I, I will have had already. <laughs> oh, so, but this. It's like to sneak around to like like uh, med checks and just peek in for people getting routine inoculations so and this, just jerk off. This is always in my head because there's nothing but homeless people surrounding Voodoo Donuts there. And they're just doing homeless people's shit like that. And, uh, and so whenever suppose he was shooting into his butt cheek, I would, I would imagine grade a heroin. Do you shoot it into your butt cheek? I have no fucking idea. Butt cheek is an interesting move. Like in the movies when people are like hyper addicted and they just want to get the like quickest 
hit that. They like put it between their toes or between their fingers. I think or it whatever. might but just I, be that the only veins he has left are in his ass. Are in his butt cheeks. I don't know. What a dude. Wild. What a wild way to go about getting high. But I just keep thinking, like, whenever I hear a nice you know, family talk about voodoo donuts in Portland, like, you know, cause it's a topic of discussion when, you know, people talk about food and, and touring and all that stuff. Like you have a dad be like, Oh, we went to that voodoo donuts in Portland. And it was, uh-huh. you know, and right. I just keep yeah. thinking like these people also probably have seen <laughs> like they went there with their family. <laughs> like, Let's honey, go to honey, voodoo donuts, okay. honey. And then it's just some guy outside like, ah, they're like, what a what a fucking way to have to explain homelessness to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, honey, sometimes the system is set up in such a way that uh, you know that uh, the, it's easy to fall into homelessness, and then from there you fall into addiction, and from there, hop, skip, and a jump, and you're shooting nameless drugs into your butt cheeks in front of a in front of a donut shop in front of a craft donut shop (laughs) (laughs) oh fucking portland's such a shit city man (laughs) is it that where they just passed that you can just have a little bit of the cocaine now yeah you can just have any just have some just have some People, Why don't you just have some of it? You just had to say you want some cocaine. Yeah, just sure. have some. Yeah. Just have, why not? Why not? Who's going to stop you? Who's? Not us. We don't care. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't imagine. I th- like the first time. So, like, were you in L.A. already when marijuana was legalized? Yeah. Okay, so you didn't go to it when it was already legalized. You were there before and after. Yeah, but here's the thing. I wasn't smoking before it was legalized, and not on purpose. Right. I just didn't, like, I wasn't like, I can't wait till it's legal, and then I'll start smoking. <laughs> like, I, it wasn't that. I just I just wasn't doing it. I didn't start smoking yeah. weed until I was 30. Yeah. I, like, the first time, do you remember the first time you went to yeah. a dispensary? Yeah. Uh, how, did, how did it feel? Uh, um, it felt like a winery. Yeah, because I was asking a little all bit, the questions. but trashier somehow. Yeah, trashy. It was like a yeah, it was like a winery it's like at a, a flea wi- market. It's like a winery, but with halogen lights. Yeah, you go in because I was asking all the questions, like, "Hey, what does this do? How will this? You know?" And they were like, "This pairs nice with it." <laughs> it's know? like it's like a winery but it takes place in an elementary school gymnasium like yeah. the, like the lights are fucking harsh and weird you somehow feel like you're in the back room at walmart you're yeah like, i was just i was just gonna compare still, it to like a like a stock room at kmart yeah it's like the yes it's like the stock room at a, yeah you you go and, and it's never what you think it's gonna be do you remember in the 90s when early 2000s when you go to a video store like here's what I love the perfect example is family video and they had right. the back section with all the porno Yeah yeah It mm-hmm. feels like you went to a Kmart and then they have a back section that sells weed <laughs> like that's the equivalent it's like you go to Kmart you get your stuff and then you're like oh I'm going to pick up some weed and then there's like a hidden back door you have to ask the cashier for like hey I'm trying to buy some weed and like oh it's in the and then they buzz you in and then you're like oh man this is Kmart's I weed remember, section I remember being a little kid and just always wanting to look at the section that was next to the porno section so I could just like try to peek. Like I remember there was one, there was one family video where there's just like a swing. It was like a Wild West saloon. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like at the swinging doors and you know, ka-ching, ka-ching. I'm here for some porno. Like, and I was always trying to like stand next to like looking at like the rom-com section as a 14 year old. Just like, man, I should catch a glimpse in there. I wonder what it's like back there. When you were a kid, did you like imagine what the porno section was like? No, I never knew about it even until you didn't know there was a porno. Until I section? was already of age, and somebody had told me about the back room, and so I was already of age, and so I I didn't believe them actually, and I was like, "Hey, I'm here to go to the back room," and they're like, "Okay, well, buzz you in." I was like, "Oh, okay, okay," and I went back there, and it was a room full of the internet, you know. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I remember it so in I'm here, I'm here to rent uh, how uh how Harry met anal. <laughs> you guys have any copies of 
Do you guys have any copies of Sleeping with Seattle? I need. Oh, uh, wow. That'd be a good one. This <laughs> is <laughs> some kind of fucking phallic version of the Space Needle on the front. I'm here um, to get uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Anal. This is just a giant <laughs> dildo that with a light on the top that looks like a. Just uh, every title has anal in it. I'm here for Forest Anal. A forest, it's just whatever movie plus anal. <laughs> I'm here for Anal McGuire. <laughs> here for Vanilla Anal. Eyes wide help, anal. Help me. Anal help wide you. shut. Help me. Anal wide shut. Help you. <laughs> you had me at anal. Um. Yeah. I, in 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 uh in college there was a family video down the street and this was before family videos got weird. Remember toward the end there when like the last dying gasp of for air of the of the rent movie rental business yeah. was that family videos were like you can also get uh, Little Caesars pizza oh, yeah. and also and also CBD here you can get. <laughs> It's CBD. The ones in Indiana started selling what? CBD at the end. I did not know that. <laughs> there might be one in Muncie right now that still sells CBD, actually. What I don't know. What the fuck? Who's, who's renting movies and CBD? So I remember, I remember in, so in college, which would have been 2003 to 2007, there was a, there was a family video down the street from campus. Uh, and we still went like there was no like Netflix. And if you had like your student ID from the college that I give you discounts or whatever. Yeah. So we would still go rent movies and we would have movie nights. Well, yeah, like it's normal in 2007. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I think. But <laughs> I don't know why you were so shocked. At that. You presented it like I'm just it thinking it's like, not that it's not that long ago. It seems ridiculous now. That was that long ago. That was fucking. That's a decade ago, I guess. Yeah, that's a decade. God, so much has changed since then, Malone. I tell you what. Uh, what I've been into lately is uh, my girlfriend and I just watched uh, Ted Lasso. Holy shit. That series is damn near perfect. Okay. This isn't the first time that you've told me that a series was perfect. Okay, what's the other ones? To be fair. (laughs) To be fair. To be fair. That might have been the last one. Letter Kenny is so fucking good. That might have been the last time you told... I was going to say to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. You were right, I think, the last time. Yeah. Here's, Here's the deal. Um, so my dad likes Ted Lasso. Okay. <laughs> so you hate it. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say that. It's just that I can't always take my dad's word for shows. Oh, never. Like, like, like I've like, sometimes my dad's like, ah, you got to watch this 30 for 30 on whatever. And I'm like, hell yeah. He's probably right. He's right. like sports trivia guy. So he, when he's like, you need to watch this documentary about blah, then it's, that's that's a toss up. <laughs> if it's a 30 for 30, he's bang on. If it's a documentary, whoa, could go either way. Your dad's 30 for 30 on 30 for 30. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so uh, just at least 30 for 30. So, yeah. um, but when he, well, generally when it comes to like sitcoms, or movies, I, I, we, we've kind of strayed. We used to, we used to talk about movies and stuff a lot together, but uh, my, here, let me tell you about my dad's review of the movie, The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Uh, I've never seen it. I, I don't really like it that much. Uh, why didn't you like it, dad? Well, it was about, uh, just about Leo DiCaprio crawling around the woods for three hours. That was what the movie was about to my dad. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio crawled around the woods for three hours. So unless there's like explosions and people dying and the rock, my dad's not. <laughs> dad's not. <laughs> but he lo- but he but he tells me I, I gotta watch Ted Lasso. Now here's the here's what makes me skeptical about Ted Lasso. Okay. About ten years ago, again, things changed majorly. About 10 years ago, it was almost, it was borderline impossible 
to watch international soccer, right? We've got the MLS here in the United States. Yep. And uh, you could always watch the MLS, but it fucking sucks. It's a terrible league, <laughs> and I hate it. Uh, I want to watch, like, good competitive soccer. And, the, right. and for my money, the best, most competitive league in the world is the English Premier League. So um, NBC Sports, NBC, gets the rights to the Premier League, and they start showing it. And then you start to see little programming changes that start to happen when they realize that the number one sport between the ages of 25 and 35 right now, I think it's 25 and 35 or 20 to 30, one of the two, uh, is soccer in the United States. So they start tweaking these little things. They'll start throwing on commercials that are like, oh, there's a, there's a soccer guy in it now. Uh, it's a commercial for ADT security systems but the celebrity is a soccer guy now. Like you start to see these little changes. So then you start to see like the people in Hollywood who are famous who actually like soccer. They start to have them come on these shows and be like, wow, we're here with blah, blah, blah to talk about his favorite team or whatever. So they're doing these little types of things. So then they like they double down. They're like now NBC Sports has every single Premier League game of the whole season, every single team, every single match. We got to start pulling out all the stops. So they come up with this idea that they're going to do a series of commercials about an American coach named Ted Lasso. Yes, this is where the show stems from. Yeah. And so it started as a commercial. And I was like, that was funny for 20 seconds. And then they did it again, and I was like, that was funny for 20 seconds. And then they did it again, and I was like, I'm a little over it. And then this season, to to uh, to promote the new Ted Lasso season of Ted Lasso, the show, they had him do another commercial. And it wasn't funny at all. <laughs> and so I was like, and I started off funny, then was here, and then was here, and then was not funny anymore. And that's not the direction you want to be trending when you're starting a show. So I never watched it. Let me tell you something. Ted Lasso is not about soccer. All right. And Superman isn't about a fucking perfect guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is Ted Lasso about? That's the problem. Empathy. Ted Lasso learned empathy from soccer. The lasso is about empathy and it's about self-care and it's about it's which sounds like it's right up my alley Malone. which i know you hate but i'm hoping that it mixes enough with soccer that it fucking keeps you happy keeps you interested because what it is is ted lasso is just this this fucking locomotive of positivity and he is he cannot be derailed and the it's in a setting where everything is upside down right they have fired uh, the old coach that has mm. uh, won them championships and done all this and they've brought in an american football coach college football coach to coach this premier league who knows nothing mm. about soccer at all so his whole world in london so and he's yeah. like this guy from fucking georgia right and so he's got this nice little southern accent he's he is just a ray of fucking sunshine during the whole series. And there are a few moments where he, he breaks down, but they are in such a real way. Um, you know, there's a moment where he has a panic attack at this at this little karaoke bar that they're all at, you know, having this victory. And he has this panic attack. And it is so fucking real and it's so grounded. And it is there – are, there are things from that show – that tap into self-care and self-improvement and all those sh all the shit that I'm into that are just glowing in that show. There's a moment where one of the moments I love is there's a moment where um, there's a player who gets down on himself because he misses a kick and it blows the fucking game and everybody's mad at him. And um, Ted comes into him in the locker room and they don't really know each other and all that stuff. And Ted, Ted pulls him to the side and he goes, you know what the happiest animal in the world is? And he's like, no. And he goes, a goldfish. You know why? They have a memory of 10 seconds. Be like a goldfish. And <laughs> walks away. And it's just like, yeah, let it roll off of you. Don't, don't like, be sad now. Let that stuff weigh on you now. But, like, don't carry that shit with you. Be like a goldfish. Let it roll off you. Continue, like, 
don't fucking let that 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 weight carry on you and it and it it's just like there's little things like that all the way through the fucking series and it's punched up and it's funny and it's silly in moments but it's so grounded and so honest and so real in the moments that it needs to be it's a damn near perfect season wow do you think it's gonna last yes it got picked up for a second season and i think two and I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will tell you that it's not traditionally sitcom-y. There are a lot of avenues. My girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day. There are a lot of avenues that they could have gone down where you're like, oh, he's going to sleep with this chick and it's going to cause problems with this. Or, oh, th- you know, she's going to catch this guy doing this and now they're going to fight. You see that narrative happen like or that opportunity happen and they go, No. And they fucking go a different way with it. So it's not just a typical sitcom where they're writing to give you those hooks and that adrenaline that usually American viewership needs where you're like, well, I watched the whole episode and nobody got punched. And you're like, yeah, yeah that's not how life it, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, well, he didn't touch her boobies or try to, you know, like, yeah, you, that's not always how it is, man. Like. Like it, just, they, they, the opportunity is there to take that easy clickbait, and they don't fucking do it. And I have to give them high praise for that because I've been in so many fucking pitch rooms where I've been told, "Can you make this louder? Uh, we want people to watch this, and we want people to. Uh, there's not enough crying in this. We want people to. I had, I had an executive at MTV tell me that they wanted to." Um, for I was I was pitching a show about loyalty with between friends, and I I'm, I got all the way up to the fucking vice president of, of of MTV, and he and we're in his office, and he goes, "This needs to be louder." He goes, "I want th- I want these people to fist fight." So when you're in when you're pitching a show that doesn't and you're and you have those opportunities to make those loud movements that what we're told American view or any, any viewership needs or needs to happen in order for a show to be successful. And you don't fucking do that. Dude, high praise, high fucking praise for not taking the, the cheap low hanging fruit. I guess I gotta fucking watch you it now. Gotta is watch that, it. Is that what the, is that what you're, is that what you're trying to say to me? I just finished the new season of Animaniacs. I keep so, hearing it's great. So I've got, I've got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I'm talking about this, like really, you know, looking inward show and, and, you know, self-care and all. And you're like, I watched Animaniacs. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, what, you, what are you going to do? That's the same about being me being like, oh man, I just... You know what? I just finished uh, this great book, uh, Infinite Jest. It's a <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah, I watched Beavis and Butthead do America this weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually just read the script of Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> and it was fucking great. You know what's so funny is I, I talk about DJ every once in a while. My, my buddy DJ Dangler, and you know and love mm-hmm, DJ. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... <laughs> He read Infinite Jest out of spite. <laughs> I, I swear to God. He was living with me at the time, and he was reading it, and he kept going on and on about how terrible it was and how much he hated it. And he's like, I'm only reading this so when other smart people try to outsmart me, I can tell them that their book <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> oh, my Jesus Christ. Like, That's funny. It's so funny. DJ is a is a is a specimen. Are you reading anything right now? Uh, I just got a a new book. Uh, I'm 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 reading. I'm currently reading like two or three things. (laughs) But uh, I just got a new book called Atomic Habits that uh, my girlfriend was just like going on and on about and how I need to check it out. And so I'm I'm checking out Atomic Habits. And uh, but what I'm in the middle of right now is uh, Jed Apatow's Gary Shandling's. this is Gary Shandling's book is what it's called, mm-hmm. um, where I don't know if you know the history. Did you ever watch that documentary that was on HBO yeah. about Gary? It's yes. fascinating. Um, and so he put out a big ass book last year around Christmas and um, 
and uh, it's filled with all of Gary's old journal writings and like all of his some of his script work and and just his personal notes to himself and i highly suggest anybody who is in the creative world to check that out it is such a motivating and inspiring book and gary was like i was telling my girlfriend this last night it was he is he's like watching a master class on on comedy and not just stand up, but like writing in general and script writing and all of that stuff. Like he's just so fucking good. And mm. it's a shame that we think of, uh, you know, when you think of comedy, you think of Jerry Seinfeld as like mm. kind of like the godfather. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, the gold standard yeah, for you're like, writing. And, yeah. It must be Seinfeld if it's good. And like. Yeah, Gary Shandling blows Seinfeld out of the fucking like on every level, um, and he just doesn't have or never had. He's dead now, but he never had that following to mm-hmm. that level of Seinfeld or that kind of loyalty in. You know, he was a comics comic, but not to that degree. Again, like I wish yeah. Gary was a household name uh, more than Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if he might. He might not be in some circles. I think it's a generation thing. I th- I don't think, you know, the the Larry Sanders show never made it to like the level of no. syndication that that Seinfeld did. And I think that a whole new generation loves Seinfeld because of reruns of the show. Yeah, that you just don't have access to the reruns of Larry Sanders, being that it was it was HBO, right? HBO, yeah, and it yeah. was groundbreaking. So it, so it just never, so it just never. I mean, like I went, you you and I have talked about yeah. this before. I I went back and because I'd never watched it. Um, we never had HBO or anything when I was a kid, so my folks were Seinfeld fans. So yeah. I was always a Seinfeld fan. Watched Seinfeld start to finish a couple times. Um. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do the Larry Sanders show. And so I did it. And then I watched that documentary. And I, I do want to read that that book. It sounds fascinating. It's so but good. And he was talking about even like he was so, again, like you're going to hate it because he was like so into self-care and all the other stuff. And he talks mm-hmm. a lot about that. And he's very open about depression and, and all of these other things. And he, he had grown up for a long time watching The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. I don't hate self-care. I hate (laughs) you doing (laughs) self-care. Oh, fuck. So (laughs) he grew up watching and loving Johnny Carson, right? And he always wanted to be on Johnny Carson. He finally got to do Johnny Carson, and he got called over to the couch, and it's a big moment back then, and of course. and, And then he got to be friends with Johnny, and they've asked him on the show a few times. And then he had a new goal that he wanted to take over for Johnny. He, mm-hmm. he wanted to host. And so then that happened, and Johnny Carson started call, calling him to fill in. Mm-hmm. And these were big moments, and he writes about it, and he, you know, you get to see his personal mm-hmm. journals about it, and these notes that he's telling himself, and even his set list. He goes over all the; it shows a printout of the uh, monologue that he gave a few nights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the jokes still work today. Like you read them in the book, and you fucking, I'm laughing out loud at these one-liners from, you know, 1991 <laughs> or whatever, right. or 1988. Right. Yeah, and um. So, and then it got to the point where he had his own show. Before the Larry Sanders show, he had It's the Gary Shandling Show. Yeah, I haven't been able to find it anywhere. I I can't either. Um, but there's a uh, uh, the thing the thing about Gary is even in his comedy, he was always so meta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, call mm-hmm. it, it's the Gary Shandling show because yeah. that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. he was one of the first people on television to break the fourth wall. Right. And on one of his first HBO specials, he opens up, uh, you know, the camera's following him like it always does, like in his hotel room and all that stuff. And then he mm-hmm. just looks directly at the camera and he just starts talking to the audience at home. And he's like, mm. isn't this weird? He's like, are you nervous? I'm nervous. And he just yeah. starts doing jokes to the fucking camera, which nobody's ever done before. Yeah. And so that went out on HBO and that kind of became his thing. And then when the Gary Shandling show came on, the pilot episode opens with him looking directly at the camera and him, and him telling the like telling the audience that he wants them to be more than an audience 
and more than a, more than a, a viewer, he wants him to be a friend. And then he talks about this, you know, his house that he just bought and blah, blah, blah. And really it's a television set, you know? Yeah. And then he walks into the set and that's how the sitcom series the starts. starts. And yeah. he breaks the fourth wall a bunch of that. And, uh, and you didn't get that anywhere else. Right. And so he was doing this show. They picked it up for three years and he journals about how much he, he began to hate it. You know what I mean? It was just like the same thing every day. He was writing it. He was acting in it. He was producing it. And it, yeah. it just felt like the same thing. And he was just caught up in it. And then Johnny Carson was uh, getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And so they had called him to guest host a few times. And now he's doing both. And then Johnny's on his real way out. Like he's done with the show. And he's looking for a replacement. And he has Jay Leno. And Gary Shandling uh, on once a week, and they're alternating. Mm. But Gary's in the middle of this second season of his his like sitcom that he's writing, producing, and acting in, right? Right. So he has to. So he, he talks about in his journal. He's like, "It's just too much work. I can't do both, and I'm heartbroken, and I just, you know, I, I don't know how to tell Johnny and all this stuff." And this was right after Joan Rivers declined the offer from Johnny to take over. And so Gary, Gary's like, I got to call Johnny. And, and so he calls Johnny Carson. He goes, Johnny, it's, it's Gary Shanling. I can't do the show. And Johnny goes, ugh, this again? <laughs> <laughs> and I, what I love, I love that on so many levels. And, um, it's just such a, a good – and he talks about going on and then eventually after his show ended, he didn't re-sign to do another season of his show. And he said after that, uh, he hosted the Grammys for the first yeah. time. And he said after he hosted the Grammys, the doors were – every network wanted to give him his own late-night show. And they offered him Johnny Carson's spot. They offered him Letterman's spot. They offered him uh, where Conan O'Brien's original show was, like before Conan took that spot. They offered him that. They offered him a five-year deal. It's like $3 million a year plus free range to do whatever he wanted. And he turned them all down to do a show about a, a fake about talk a show host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he talks about it in the book and he's like, do I want to be a talk show host or do I want to be a fake talk show host? Yeah. And he was talking about the dedication that goes into both and all this different stuff and about the decisions that you have to make and weighing out these options and all that. It's just fascinating to get inside of that mindset yeah. and those decisions. And it's so inspiring to see somebody who has set goals over the years and achieved them every fucking time. He manif- he's in the manifestation and meditating and self-care and all these stuff to make these goals happen. And he talks very openly about it in the, in the book. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's fascinating. Every creative should, should read it. I certainly want to read it. I've been, I've been reading what might be the opposite of that actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> no, I've been reading a book called Elvis and the Memphis Mob. <laughs> and it's uh, that also way fascinating more for completely different reasons. It's actually a giant bummer. Um, so Elvis uh, surrounded himself with like people that he thought he could trust, right? He had, right. He had an overbearing manager who took advantage of him and really screwed him out of a lot of money and a lot of control and, and you know, pulled him out of the creative aspect of doing music because he knew that he could make a million dollars a picture by having Elvis just churn out these terrible, right. terrible movie after movie after movie after movie. And so the only, it got to a point where the only singles that he was releasing were these like half-baked terrible songs from these half-baked terrible movies. Uh, he wasn't even going to Nashville into the studio and like doing records anymore. Um, and so he just like felt like he had lost, he, he had the potential to lose so much of himself that he surrounded himself with this close like insular group of like people from his hometown, basically his home state, yeah. basically people he knew from high school, that kind of stuff. And, um, 
they, they, you know, they, everybody knew them. Everybody knew they were with Elvis. Everybody, you know, uh, respected them as such. And so they just started calling them the Memphis mob or the Memphis mafia. And, uh, and so Elvis thought that was funny and kind of used it in a tongue in cheek way. And so what this lady did was she tracked down three of the Memphis mafia, uh, Marty Lacker, Lamar Fike and Billy Smith. And she brings them in and the whole book is told first person narrative. So like, she'll be like, this chapter is about, um, Elvis first breaking on the scene and those tours he was doing with Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash and all those guys. Right. And, uh, and it's those three dudes and it'll just say Lamar Fike, Billy Smith, like it's them first person just telling this is what happened. I was there. I saw it. Holy shit. And so, uh, I had a, I had a, a buddy who's a huge Elvis freak. Like he, and he's like every Elvis book I've ever read. I felt like they were trying to convince you that Elvis wasn't a bad guy. Right. And he was like, this book, Elvis and the Memphis mob is just, it's, it's these three dudes telling it exactly like it happened, like exactly as they remember it. And what's really interesting is that like, there are things where they're all like, man, he's like, it'll be like Lamar Fike, and then Billy Smith will be like, who was also Elvis's cousin. will be like, Hey, he's full of shit. That never actually happened. People (laughs) said that that happened, but blah, blah, blah. And then there are other things where they're all three like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it's a bummer. The things that they all agree on. (laughs) Oh man. I want to check that out. That sounds fucking fascinating. Like, like, uh, like Elvis was into young girls and they're all like, Oh yeah, that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, like, Oh, Ah, yeah. damn it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn it. Yeah, but uh but yeah, just just fascinating so that that there's that that whole the interaction between him, you know, being uh being this incredible performer, but then also, you know, cashing in on that fame that came from the performing and the sex appeal that came from the performing to do these movies. Well, then his manager is just like, well, it's all about making money at this point. Like we're, we're making, we're making money. And then Elvis, like at one point is like, well, I, I, I got, uh, I got drafted. So I'm just going to the army. And the army was like, the army was like, we'll, we'll, we'll put you in like some kind of special. Yeah. Special forces thing where you just like play shows for the, no. And he was like, no, I'm going to, I got drafted. I'm going to go be in the army. He like he actually did. Elvis was gone for yeah. He was. You didn't know this. He was gone in Germany. He was stationed in Germany for like two, three years or something. I didn't know that. I knew that he got like drafted and all that, but I didn't know that he yeah. went. I thought he was like right. Muhammad Ali and was like, I, mean, I ain't was, fighting in the war. No, it was not. It was not like. I mean, he did like there was no active war going on at the time, so he was right. in in like in like peace times in Germany. So he just like he was. He actually did the same thing my grandpa did in Germany, like the year but a year or two before it just drove around an important guy they were different important guys but like my grandpa drove around some colonel and and elvis drove around some you know major or whatever yeah and that was his job he like was this guy's chauffeur over there but like he was in the army but like he was in the army but he like didn't stay at the barracks with the rest of the guys he had his own house and he had his buddies from memphis fly over with him and stayed with him in this house oh my god and he was just like just like dude the crazy amount of pills they said he like the physician's desk reference where like you go through and you're like oh if you take this drug you can't take this drug over here because they interact poorly but if you combine these two drugs then they can have this he had the whole thing memorized so they said he would go into a doctor and he would just be like, ah, doc, I'm having back pains, but it's, but it's, ah, it's not on the outside. It's like on the inside, like right next to my spine. And they'd be like, oh, it sounds like you have whatever. It just seems like you need an Elvis to be like this and this. And they'd be like, yeah, that does seem like what you need. And they'd write him a script for those two things. <laughs> Dude, I still and have to Google every time I get sick, if I can take Tylenol and Dayquil together. <laughs> Every he had time. the whole desk reference memorized so that he knew <laughs> so that he, they said he carried around a thing called he called his makeup kit and he just opened it up and it was just full of just like you know you ever seen anybody that was into back in the 90s and it was into beading oh yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Little, <laughs> like a, little beads and you would uh, and they, there would be like just a rainbow of beads all like organized a by, box yeah <laughs> by color and size and all the shit that was elvis's but it was all pills and he would just be like man here we have a couple of these and they'd be like <laughs> 
just <laughs> just fucking pilled out of their brain all the time and tell one story they used to so they he he refused to fly so they would just drive back and forth to LA to do the movies and then back to Memphis in between movies so like at one point they're just pilled out of their brain they they get this big giant RV they've got this is back in the day where there's no car stereo so he installs a record player in the back <laughs> These dudes are just banging pills into their skull and playing records and driving across the country. They said at one point the guy swore they're in the middle of the desert. They swerve off the road. The guy who's driving and they said Elvis used to drive, but he wasn't this particular time. And they were like, what the hell are you doing? He was like, there was a school crossing. There are all these kids. And they were like, we're in the middle of the desert. There are no fucking children around. They said, lo and behold, a week later, they were on their way back to Memphis and they pulled through a school zone and the guy didn't stop. Kids were diving out of the road and shit. And they were like, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, you told me there were no kids. So I, this time I thought there were no kids. <laughs> meanwhile, Elvis is like, somebody say kids. <laughs> what kind of kids? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to check that out. Oh, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Here's, here's my thing to share this week. Okay. Uh, there's a new special on Netflix called Nate. Okay. And it's a young woman in New York, uh, dressed as a dude, fake mustache, fake chest hair. She's topless the entire time, but she has okay. fake chest hair. And, uh, a little warning. She has a, a huge strap on dick halfway for like half of the performance. <laughs> it's a one woman man show. And okay. it is so fucking good and so bizarre and uh, so smart and so funny. It's called Nate. Um, you need you need to check it out. Everybody needs to check it out. It it, it it's you're it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, and I okay. will warn you. It's you know it is what I just said. It is. It's all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a little out there. So I want you to go into it with an open mind. Is she purposefully taking the piss out of Burt Kreischer? Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> she it's it's fascinating, man. And it um it has a great message at the end and uh it yeah, man, it's just it's it's really good. I haven't seen anything like it. Um so it's called Nate. It's on Netflix. All right. Cool. My thing to share. Uh Christmas is fast approaching. Yeah. Uh, there are these, there are these things. If you go Instagram at go G O chirp, C H I R P go mm -hmm. chirp. And they're called they're these chirp wheels. And I'm sure you've seen them advertised. It's a big wheel with padding on the outside of it. And it's got a little indentation all the way around the middle of the padding so that you can put your spine line, your spine with that middle thing. And then you roll on this roller back and forth. And there's a big one, so like you're spreading out your the, the the length of your spine on this big roller, larger surface area, really pulls your muscles and kind of stretches out okay. um, your back, right? And then there's a slightly smaller one, this medium-sized one, that you kind of put it in the middle. It's not as much surface area, so it's a little more pointed. It really gets in there to those muscles. And then there's a little one. And the little one, so like I start with the big one, move to the middle one, and then go to the little one by the end. And by the little one, it's only about this big. So it's like right in the middle of your back. And it's like you're rolling up and down this thing and it's getting in there. But it's like it's like if you imagine someone took their hands and put it on either side of your spine and just pushed really hard now up and down. Now, does it come to like as a bundle pack? Those. Do all of them come in a you pack? Can, you can buy you... one at a time or you can buy the three pack. Okay. And we got the three pack and I was on the floor stretching out my back and stuff. And, and my wife made me open a Christmas present early. She was like, open this one. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I opened that one and oh, I've been just like watching TV at night, yeah. laying on the big one, just rolling back and forth. And every once in a while, you'll like find a good groove and you're just like, have you, have you come just popping, pop, popping your back up and down. And it's enough to make one. Uh, comped. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I love it, and I recommend it. They're 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 called chirp wheels. Go they're, go they're chirp. Go chirp at go chirp on Instagram. All right, I'll check it out. All right, man. All right, dude. Good well, talk. 
Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. Oh, God, I got to go. I love you, buddy. It's the holiday season. And Hey, it's Malone, and I just wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can follow along with us on Twitter at SpeakerPhonePod. That's at SpeakerPhonePod. We'll be posting clips, updates, sharing news stories that we're talking about all right there. Uh, and if you're looking for more podcasts to check out, check out CultureCast Radio. It's right here on the 4D Podcast Network. You'll love it. I love it. Everybody loves it. Check it out. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.